people will get a little spooked by that. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to go through and look at what biblical prophecy is really all about. Because if we look and see what prophecy really is intended to do, it makes perfect sense. And to truly understand, truly understand prophecy, uh, let me say, I'm sorry if you thought we were going to dig into and start looking at different prophecies this morning. That's not yet. All right, it's coming. It's coming, but it's not yet because there's something foundational we need to understand concerning biblical prophecy. One four-letter little word. It's called time. Time. I want you to think about this morning. Time is, and here we go with the fancy stuff, time is the matrix of prophecy. All right? We all know what a matrix is. It is the subset, the structure by which anything exists in. Without time, there is no prophecy. Because, indeed, what is prophecy? But the telling of the future, isn't it? We've all seen that. We've all heard that. But we need to understand that understanding time will affect, our understanding of time will affect our view of biblical prophecy. Our understanding of time will affect our view a biblical prophecy. Think about this. If you look at it with the carnal nature, with the flesh, you're like, mm, I don't know about this. I don't know about the, the foretelling of the future. I don't know about uh, somebody foretelling events that are yet to happen because you are thinking carnally minded. You think, hey, time is infinite. There's, you can't differentiate. You can't jump into time and, and tell one period from another. It's infinite. There's infinite amounts of time. But if you are of a spiritual mind, if you're thinking about this spiritually, if you're looking at prophetic events spiritually, you understand that time is indeed finite. Time is a creation of God. It's something that God Himself has created, isn't it? If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to read just a little scripture out of Isaiah chapter 57. Isaiah, and we could spend a lifetime in just a chapter of Isaiah, much less the whole book. But in Isaiah 57, there is a statement in here that I want us to grab a hold to this morning, that I want us to look at and understand. Because a lot of times we'll go through Scripture and we'll see, you know, the characteristics of our God. He is love, you know. He is grace. He is mercy. He is compassion. But let us look and see. In the midst of Isaiah's prophecy of speaking to the people of Israel over there, of speaking to the things of things to come, and, you know, Isaiah was telling them, what God was relaying to him. But I want us to see this statement that God makes to his people through Isaiah the prophet. In Isaiah 57, 15, he says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. 
whose name is Holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now think about this this morning. This statement that God is making to his people contains within it a characteristic of our God that is unlike anything we have ever seen before. You know, we talked about, well, yeah, God is love. God is grace. God is mercy. Yes, indeed. Yes, he is. But (laughs) look at that characteristic that we see there in him. In Isaiah 57, 15. Lock in on that. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Now I've tried to, you know, I've talked with you guys before about uh, my little mind trying to grasp a hold of eternity. Of about trying to wrap this little bitty mind around what it really, what eternity really means. You know, and we've talked about that. That, uh, uh, you know, it's almost impossible uh, for a mind like this to really get a hold of that. But when we think about eternity, eternity, what is eternity? What is time? You see, I want us to understand the basic concepts of this this morning as we are about to go in to the study of biblical prophecy. Because there's an undergirding there that a lot of times we'll look over that that is if we don't grab a hold of that concept, we'll lose the effectiveness of what prophecy is all about. Because prophecy deals specifically with that thing that troubles mankind so much. Time. Time. What is time? What is time? Well, the dictionary defines time like this. You ready for this? The system of those sequential relations that any event has to any other, as past, present, or future, indefinite and continuous duration regarded as that in which events succeed one another. Got that? (laughs) That's the way the dictionary defines time. That's the way a system of sequential relations. Science defines time a little bit different. Did you know that since Einstein's theory of relativity, his general theory of relativity in 1915, and I know all of you guys know about that, E equals MC squared, you know all that good stuff. But since that time, uh, since that time, time has been defined as a physical property. In other words, time to a a physicist is a physical property that can be affected by other physical properties, such as uh, mass, such as acceleration, such as light, these type of things. This is where all these theories come from, these string theories, these theories of black holes and all such as this. All those are mathematical constructs on paper. There's no reality there. But since that time, time has been defined as a physical, actual physical property. Because, you know, none of us ever really think, well, if I had more time, well, here, let me just go get a little bit more. I got more time now. It's right here in my hand. We can't hold it, can we? We can't touch it. How can it be a physical property? But according to science, it is. But let's look biblically at what time is. 
And we see this. We see that time is the boundaries in which God has purposed to reveal His glory to mankind, specifically as it relates to salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay? Think about this. Let's go through that again. Time, according to the Bible, is the boundaries in which God has purposed to reveal His glory to mankind, specifically as it relates to salvation through Jesus Christ. You see, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. You remember Revelations 4.11? You remember us talking about that? Thou art worthy to receive honor, glory, and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. That's it, guys. That's the meaning of life. That's the meaning of time. You see, time is simply a set of boundaries that God has created in order to reveal His glory to mankind and through mankind. Why did God do it that way? Why did He do it that way? Well, that gives rise to a lot of questions, don't it? A lot of hard questions. And you see, I believe that we as a body of Christ should never be afraid of hard questions. We should never... Be afraid of hard questions. You've heard me talk about Genesis 1-1 before. Genesis 1-1, you remember I've told you before, the single greatest, most powerful verse in all of the Bible. More than John 3-16? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you're crazy, Joey. No. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created You see, if that concept, if that belief, if that faith is in us, then nothing else in Scripture is going to be difficult at all. You have no problem understanding that a God that is so infinite and awesome in His power is able to save someone like me. It's it's not a a reach. You can understand. You can know that God can do this. Because in the beginning, the beginning of what? Well, the beginning of these set of boundaries that God has constructed to reveal His glory. You see, all biblical prophecy operates within these boundaries. And you, you see, we're going to get to that. What's the reason? Why is God doing this, Joy? All biblical prophecy operates within these boundaries that God has determined to reveal His glory. You look at what we talked about in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning. Did you know that's one Hebrew word? You know, usually I get a Greek word in there, but today I'm going to do a Hebrew word on you. Yeah. Reshith. Reshith. In the beginning. Simply a Hebrew word that means this. The first in place, time, order, or rank. Specifically a first fruit, beginning, the chiefest, the first fruits, the first part, the first 
time. Principal thing. It means the beginning. Now you think about this. Because a lot of questions come up to us when we begin to talk about the beginning. When we begin to talk about time itself. Mankind has been baffled by time for a long time. We have, we have struggled with that. But you see, prophecy goes within those boundaries. It goes within that time and allows mankind to have confidence, to have faith in His Creator. It allows us to understand and live in the validity of God's Word. This Word never changes. This Word is never failing. This Word is inerrant. There is no errors. There are no hiccups. There are no anything about this Word. It is perfect. Look at what God says in Isaiah 46.9. Just a little bit back from where we were. Some more absolutely beautiful Scripture. In Isaiah 46.9, he says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So we see here, we see here, God himself, he says, declaring the end from the beginning. Now notice this. Now we know that anybody can stand at the end and declare the beginning, can't they? But that's where they started at. Yeah, I can stand at the end and look back to the beginning. Yeah, this happened in my past. That happened. You know, I can declare the end from the beginning because I've been there. But who can stand at the beginning and declare the end? There's only one. And his name's not Nostradamus. His name's not Edgar Casey. Her name's not Sister Cleo. No, none of those. None of those can declare the end from the beginning. There is only one that can do that. And you see, it is that that He has given us through biblical prophecy to be able to trust in him. To be able to trust in Him. You know that He loves us more than anything. You know that He desires for each and every one of us to be saved. You know that He wants us to live for His honor and His glory. And all that He is doing, all that He has created, we have a part in. We were given a pardon there in the beginning. In the very beginning when He created us. 
and made us partners with him. And he made us caretakers of his very own creation. And you see, we, we sinned. We failed. We walked away. We neglected to listen to his commandments. And yet, and yet, him being God, him being God, could have very simply said, you know what? I tried. I gave you a chance. You didn't want it. End of story. That's it. That's it. No more. He's God. He is God. He had every right to. Every right to do that. But did he do that? No, he did not. And you see, the very reason that he did not is the very reason that biblical prophecy is so important. Do what? The very reason that he did not turn his back on us, the very reason he did not give up on us, is the very reason that biblical prophecy is so important. And I know what a lot of people think about prophecy. I mean, there's all kind of books written on it. Uh, There's all kind of uh, TV shows and radio shows about it. Uh, People have entire ministries built on uh, biblical prophecy. But what we need to understand and what the the one thing uh, that makes God who He is is His love. Love. Remember John? 1 John 4? God is love. He is love. Why? Because people will ask you that. Why? You know, why did God do things the way that He did? Why did He accomplish things the way that He accomplished them? But what we need to understand is that when we look at biblical prophecy, when we understand a prophecy for what it is, it will validate God's Word for us. In other words, it validates this for us. There's no reason for us to doubt. There's no reason for us to worry. There's no reason for us to think, uh, am I on the right track? Because we can know that we are through the prophecy that God Himself has given to men of old to write down in His Word. We talk about uh, the Old Testament prophecies a lot concerning the coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. By some accounts, 300 plus prophecies that are in the Old Testament concerning the coming of the Messiah. And we see that those prophecies uh, were fulfilled in His first comings. Uh, We see that uh, even today, even today, prophecy is being fulfilled. And there is still yet uh, prophetic events that were to be fulfilled in the future. So you see, prophecy is not something that's just... uh, Way back there. Prophecy is not Old Testament stuff. Prophecy is not something uh, for the people in the past. No, it is as real to you and I today as it was to Isaiah. Amen. It is. It's so real. Notice this. Second Peter chapter 1. Peter. We know Peter, don't we? An eyewitness. An eyewitness to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you've heard me talk about that. How that this witness, this eyewitness, more than validates Scripture for you and I. Because 11 of these guys walked out of that place knowing who Jesus was. 
And ten of them went to their grave, uh, listen, refusing uh, to back down. And the other one, John, served on the Isle of Patmos and wrote the book of Revelation. But the others were martyred, killed for their belief. Peter was one of those. But I want you to notice what he says, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. Because he's writing to the church. You see, we, we see that Peter's writing to believers. The New Testament is to believers. He's writing to believers over there. And he wanted them to understand the things that he had seen, the things that he had done, who, had, who he had been in contact with. But he also wanted them to understand this. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Wherein too you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What's Peter saying? Well, in verse 19, Peter declares that prophecy, prophecy is even more certain than his own eyewitness testimony concerning Jesus Christ. You see, that's how certain Peter was. That's how staunch Peter was on his belief in the Scriptures. And you see, a lot of people have lost that today. The Bible is nothing more than a collection of old books put together in bound leather uh, for people to buy and lay for decoration on their coffee table to a lot of people. It's nothing but a, a large volume uh, to get to write uh, where you can, the day you get married, the day you have kids, you know, and all such as that, and keep it up on the shelf to get down and look at and uh, pass on to your grandkids. But Peter is saying, listen guys, I walked with Jesus. I talked with Jesus. I know what I have seen. I know what I have heard. But I want to tell you, in case you're wondering, even more powerful than my own eyewitness is the prophetic word of God. For no man could have accomplished what it has done and what it is. No man he said in verse 20, what does he say? He tells us that prophecy is what? He says of no private interpretation. Uh, you heard that? Prophecy is for all. It is for everyone. You see, a lot of people think, well, you gotta, you got to have a, a degree, a seminary degree uh, to understand prophecy. And I can tell you from experience you're probably more likely to understand prophecy less with a seminary degree as opposed to not having one. So you're, if you don't have one, you're in good shape. But prophecy is for everyone. You remember what Jesus told uh, the Pharisees over there and then what he said to Jerusalem? That they would be held accountable. 
held accountable because they knew not the day of their visitation. They didn't know the day that Christ died. When Christ rode into uh, Jerusalem over there on the foal, the colt of an ass, presented himself as king to Jerusalem, they were charged. They were expected to know that day. They were expected to know that that was the day Messiah was to arrive and ride through that gate. They were expected to know. Why were they expected to know that? Because it's in the Old Testament. Plain and simple. Daniel explained it to him. It's right there in the book of Daniel. It tells you to the day when Jesus Christ will ride into Jerusalem. But they didn't know. They didn't understand. And you see, he has given us the same charge. We are expected. What did he say time and time again as you went through uh, the New Testament and the Gospels? What do we see that he tells his plot? Deceived. How is someone deceived? How is someone deceived? Because they believe something that is not true. That's how you deceive somebody. You tell them something that's not true, and if they believe it, you got them. You've deceived them. But if we become students of this word, if we spend our time immersed in this word, Do you know how hard, how much harder it becomes for the evil one to deceive us? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It becomes pretty hard. Pretty hard for the evil one to deceive us if we are grounded in this word. Not grounded in what Joey says or what Joey does. Not grounded in what some guy on TBN says, Lord help. But grounded in what the word of the living God says. When we are grounded in that, we are less likely to be deceived. Peter says it's for everyone. There is no private interpretation for Scripture, guys. That's what he's telling them. It's for everyone. All may understand it. Remember what Paul did to Timothy? He encouraged him to do what? Study to show thyself approved. Why would he tell him that? Why would he encourage him to do that? The same reason you and I are encouraged. The same reason that you and I are encouraged to study to show ourselves approved. Because just like we talked about last week, we you know we mentioned that what part of the Bible is is prophecy, what part of the Bible is prophetic, all of it, all of it. Genesis one to Revelation twenty two, it's all prophecy. I love that. Jesus, when he's talking, he calls Abel a prophet. He calls David a prophet. You see, all those guys, those men and women that lived by the faith down through Old Testament times, all those uh, men and women that uh, clung to our Lord uh, through those times, all those prophetic people uh, that have witnessed to us even in the time that we live in. Jesus calls them prophets. Prophets. You see, prophecy is pretty important. It's pretty important. Because if we don't know what is out ahead of us, then we can be deceived. 
Do you know why there are churches out here today who have preachers standing in the pulpit that will get up and say, uh, we uh, need to bring all religions together because we all really worship the same God anyway. Do you know why people are preaching that and why people are listening to that? Because they don't know the truth. That's it. Because if they knew the truth of this word, they would understand that that's a lie. That that's heresy. There is only one God. And it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't all worship the same God. You see, mankind has taken religion and formed it to what he wants it to be. We're good at that. God, we're going to put this organization together. We're going to put this thing together, God. And then you come and sit right here. And we'll tell you what you need to do and when you need to do it. (laughs) No, no, no. You don't know my God. That's not how he operates. And you see, prophecy allows us to see that. Declaring the end from the beginning. What did Peter say in verse 21? Basically what he was saying this. Man has absolutely zero, zero to do with biblical prophecy. All all mankind does is relay the message given by God Himself. No scripture is of any private interpretation. Once again, why do people turn on the TV or go into churches and listen to preachers stand up there and say, I've got a word from God. No, you don't. No, you don't. I've got a revelation, people. No, you haven't. No, you haven't, because the Word and the revelation is right here. And it's not for any one person. It's not for any one group. It is for all of God's creation. And you see, mankind wants to take a hold of that and say, this is mine, and I understand the secrets of this, and for $9.95, you can have my latest book on that, and I'll explain it to you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's what God thinks of that too. Bunch of foolishness. Bunch of foolishness. God don't need no primer for you to buy to understand His Word. It's all right here. That's what we, we saw that in our study in the book of Revelation, didn't we? The reason that Revelation is so confusing to so many people is because they don't go back to the primer for Revelation, which is the Old Testament. Because all that is contained within the Old Testament. All that imagery, all that stuff that looks so scary and spooky to us in Revelation is coming from that imagery within the Old Testament. We don't need anybody else's book or anything else. What we need is the Word of the living God. That's all that we need. Peter says, this prophecy is not of any private interpretation. This prophecy is more certain than even my own eyewitness testimony. This prophecy uh, that you have been given, it's not. Have, does it have anything to do with you or I? It has everything to do with God. Paul, once again, what he told Timothy. 2 Timothy 3.16, what did he say? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God. Here's your Greek word for the day. Theonustos. Theonustos. Inspiration of God is that word. 
theonoustos. And it means this. God breathed. God breathed. Think about that. God breathed. As we begin this study into biblical prophecy, as we understand it within the constructs of time, as we see, you see it can, it can get pretty confusing to us. It can get pretty large to us and, and we want to just disengage because we don't want to, uh, you know, the devil tells you, don't, you don't need to think that much. You don't need to worry about that. All this stuff that he's telling you, all that stuff that's in Scripture, you don't need to worry about all that. All you need to worry about is just today. You just need to worry about today. That's all you need to worry about. But you see, once again, why, and this goes back to those big questions that come out of this, time, prophecy, and everything, why are we even here? Because you see, that's what a lot of people will ask you. Well, if God is so good, then why is there evil in the world? Hard question, right? Real hard question. Well, if God is so good, why don't He just go ahead and save everybody? Hard question. Legitimate. All these questions presented to you and I because you see, and and most Christians will, you know, they don't want, you know, those are questions for the preacher to answer. (laughs) Let... Let the preacher answer those questions. Don't ask, you need to go ask the preacher that. You see? Because they think that the preacher is the authority on God's Word. They're just the members. The preachers, no, no, no. No, no, no. You see, that's Peter discounted all that. Peter discounted, that's not the way that it is. We are each and every one of us individually held accountable for our understanding of God's Word. And God's Word tells us that He is soon coming again. God's Word reveals to us the times and the seasons that we live in. You setting a date, Joey? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But listen, when it gets towards springtime, and I see... Trees that have been dead start getting these little green sprigs on them. I know, and, and I'm not a weatherman, and, and I'm not a gardener, but I know that spring is coming because I can see the signs of the seasons. And you see, Jesus told the Pharisees that. You look and see the signs of the season. You read the signs of the skies, and yet you don't understand the signs of the times. And I believe God wants us to understand that. We're not sitting around trying to figure up a date. That's not what we're trying to do. But what we're trying to do, what prophecy allows us to do as God's people, is to have a witness like unlike anything else in this world. There is nothing that can compare to this. Nothing that can compare. When you can take somebody and set them down, when you can show them a time after time after time that the Old Testament has prophesied of this event to happen, and there it is. 
happened just like he said it was. Happened just when he said it was. And just like I said a while ago, prophecy is still happening today. We look over to the, to the things that are happening in the Middle East. We look over to the things concerning uh, that little bitty patch of land over there called Israel. God hadn't forgot Israel. God hadn't forgot Israel. Because you see, that's what most of the book of Revelations is about. It concerns God's fulfillment of His promise to the people of Israel. That's what it does. And you see, when we can, we can outline and we can show in understanding fashion these events to a lost world, then it puts before them a witness that they cannot even argue with. They can't argue with. What are you saying, Joy? If we understand biblical prophecy, we can save the world? No, no, no. I wish, I wish we could. I, it would be, I, I am, we know from Scripture, it's God's will that none perish. God wants everybody to be saved. I want everybody to be saved. I'm sure you want everybody to be saved. But the fact of the matter is, is that most of the people today have absolutely turned away from God. They've turned their back on Him. They want nothing to do with this God of the Bible. Did you know the Bible tells us that would happen too? How about that? How about that? These, these cats running around today talking about this great revival coming. Don't you fall for it. Don't you fall for it. You see a great revival going on somewhere, you get away from it. Because that's not foretold in Scripture. If there's a revival, it's a revival of apostasy. It's a revival of the religions of the world coming together and say, oh, let's just all hold hands. Let's just all be one. Let's just all get along. Don't talk about that blood stuff. Don't talk about that sin stuff. Write that word out of your vocabulary. We don't need that anymore because we all serve the same God. You see, that's a revival that's coming. That's a revival that you're going to see. But what does the Word tell us? When you see those days approaching, lift up your head. Lift up your head. You see, church, and we can look at these things, and we're going to be in the next few weeks, but we can look at these things. And when we get an understanding of those things, I wish, I wish I could explain it to you. I wish, I wish I had the words to explain it to you. What it really means to know that God is on the throne listening. That the advocate that I have sitting at the right hand of the Father, the man Christ Jesus, listening. Holy Spirit with us all the time. Listening. To someone like me? Yeah. I think of the words of the psalmist. What is man that thou art mindful of him? What am I that you are mindful of me, O God? And you see, the prophecy that is given in God's word allows that faith, that seed of faith that has been planted in that heart to begin to grow and to blossom. And that faith will grow and blossom. And that faith will increase. And you will see things done 
for the will of God, for the kingdom, the kingdom to come. You see, that's what it's all about. It's not uh, fortune telling. It's not knowing the future. We know what the future holds. We know, we know how the future turns out. Hey, we're on the good side. We're on the winning side. You see, I don't need to know all of that for my security. What I know is the God who knows how it turns out is the one who keeps me in His hand. Amen. That's all that matters. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. You see, church, the world focuses on what they need. It's just been that way. That's, that's the first sin of Satan, pride. When he lifted himself up, the world is still doing that. The world is still doing that. What about my needs, God? What about what I want, God? <coughs> when we don't understand what we are created for, that's what we do. Me, God, I need. No, we're not created for that. We're created to bring Him glory. You see, when we bring Him glory, you needn't to think that the, the, anything that you need in your life, He's going to neglect. <laughs> You needn't to think that he's going to turn a blind eye to you. You needn't to think that this world's going to overcome you. If you are one of his children, you're in his hand.